Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, as we open up your word this morning, please speak to us with your truth. I pray that you would mold us with your spirit and that we would continue to be sanctified by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me, if you will, to the 15th chapter of Romans as we continue our study this morning. And as we approach our focal passage, which is the 22nd through the 25th verse, I want to first kind of give a context or a frame of thought in how you should look at these verses, at least for the purpose of my sermon this morning. And I want you to look at this truly as it is a letter that Paul is individually writing to the Roman church. And the reason why I say that is, is that if you wrote a letter to me or I wrote a letter to you, you would see my personality or I would see your personality in that letter. If you ever used the software Grammarly, which is a wonderful thing, but if you use Grammarly too much, it takes your personality out of it. You would look and say, yes, that's correct from a grammatical point of view, but I wouldn't say it that way. And you'd lose some of the personal aspect of what you're trying to convey in the letter. And sometimes as we look at the Pauline epistles, we can get so in tune to the doctrinal teaching that sometimes it's easy for us to forget that this is Paul sitting down and writing a letter to the Roman church. And so I would really like for you to look at this in that context. The personality of Paul and the fact that Paul is writing this as an individual. And we're going to first look at our focal passage and then we're going to back up a little bit. So if you look at verse 22, Paul writes, For this reason I also have been hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and Having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey, and to be helpful on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Now, right before those verses, Paul had told us that he had a special ministry to preach for the gospel had not been preached before, and that he was a minister to the Gentiles. But let's go back even further. Let's first go to chapter 14 
And as we go through, and we're going to do a brief survey through this verse in 14 and through some of the verses in 15. And what I'm trying to bring out in context is to showcase the deep love that Paul has for Christ, for the church, for the gospel, and for the church to grow in wisdom and knowledge. And so if you look at 14, and let's first look at 19, 14, 19. Paul says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. If you go down to 15 in verse 1, he says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Jesus did not please himself. But it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, so far, he's telling us, pursue things that will edify one another. Bear with one another. And then when you look at verse 14 of chapter 15, he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. So edify another, bear with one another, admonish one another. And then when you look at verse 22 then, you see where he has this desire to come to the church there at Rome. But when you put all of this in context in our focal passage, you see he wants to go to a church at Rome because he has completed his missionary efforts into a region that knew nothing about the things of Christ. And he will go to the church there at Rome, but first he's going to the church in Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So when you look at this letter and you think here at the end as Paul is going through his conclusion in 15 and then on to 16, what he's telling us is is that he loves the gospel, he loves the church, And he wants the church to mature. Remember in 14 and 15, he talked about how the church had both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and how the stronger Christians ought to support the weaker Christians. This is someone who has a deep love for the things of God. And when you look at the life of Paul, we could sit there and put him in a little compartment and say, well, that was great because this was, a, this was a wonderful missionary and Paul is Paul by himself. But I would argue that Paul is a great example for you and I and how we should conduct ourselves as we interact with brothers and sisters in Christ and how we should have a desire for the things of Christ in his kingdom. He's a great example for that. And in fact, 
when you look at the love, the deep love that Paul had for the things of Christ, and then you think about the words of Jesus in John 13, 34, where Christ said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. In other words, the world will know that there's something unique about us when the church has a love for one another. Now, the world loves based on reciprocity. You love me, I love you. But look at what Jesus said. Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? Christ loved us sacrificially. He loved us first, right? That's what the Bible says, that Christ loved us first. It wasn't based upon yours and I's merit, our intellect, our logic. It was based upon his grace. And the church should love one another reflecting the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. That's how we should love one another. There should be a difference. And when you think about the basis of Christ's love, why did Christ love us? He loved us so that you and I could have a relationship with the Father. That's why he loved us. That's why he showed mercy to us. So that we would abide with Christ and the Father. And that should be the basis for our love for one another... That should be the basis for our efforts as a church so that our community that does not know Christ may come to know Christ and the love of Christ. And as we have missionary efforts, as we tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ, our efforts aren't for someone to go to heaven. I think that was one of the great evangelical mistakes of the last century. Is do you want to go to heaven? Well, of course people want to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? That's not what eternal life is about. Eternal life is about abiding with God. And our eternal life begins the moment that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ because you then are abiding with God. Christ gave his life on the cross so that you could abide with God. The rest is just geography. 
You and I abide with Christ now. When we pass on, we will see Him face to face and we'll abide with God. It's all about abiding with God. Now, when you start talking to people about abiding with God, you're going to get a different response than, Hey, man, you want to go to heaven? Sure. Do you want to abide with God? Oh, that's a different discussion. If I abide with God, then that means I have to abide by the things of God. That's a far different discussion. But our motivation, our desire, our goal should be that the Lord Jesus Christ, He saved us to abide with Him. It's not about a ticket to heaven. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. Something that I long for in this crazy world that we live in. I long for heaven. But do you long for heaven for heaven? Or do you long for heaven because you're dwelling with God? And when you think about what Jesus says here in verse 34, it says that we love one another as I have loved you. And you see this in the life of Paul, that he is loving his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's preaching the gospel to humanity because he wants people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not preaching a free ticket to heaven. He's preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you start doing this, it comes with a cost. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says, Now great multitudes went with him, referring to Jesus. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now let's stop right there just for a moment. It says, whoever does not bear his cross. He doesn't say there might be a cross to bear. He doesn't say that. He says that you will have a cross to bear. And he says that if you don't bear your cross, you cannot be his disciple. He goes on and says, for which of you intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's easy to say that we are going to love our brothers and sisters. It's easy for us to topically say that we're going to love humanity by sharing the gospel. But it comes with a cost. 
Christ told us that living the Christian life comes with a cost. It's not convenient. How many times have you heard someone say, well, when I get my life in order, that's when I'm going to become dedicated to the church. When I get my life in order. When I retire, that's when I'm going to be dedicated to the church. When I wake up and it's 72 degrees outside, there's not a cloud in the sky, and I've got all the time in the world. That's when I'm going to be dedicated to the church. It's easy to intellectually acknowledge the existence of a historical Jesus. That's easy. That's like saying that George Washington existed. But when you start taking the words of Christ, and you start applying them to your life and saying, the Lord is going to work through me to accomplish his kingdom, that's when it starts to get difficult. And Christ told us that there would be a cost. And regarding specifically to the life of Paul, we see that in The Lord's conversation with Ananias, which I brought up the other day. In Acts 9, verse 15, this is what God said to Ananias regarding Paul. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now, if you stop right there, just right at that period, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. That sounds great. That would be like God looking and saying to any preacher, I am going to use you to win this particular country to my name. That sounds wonderful. I don't think that there's a preacher in the world that wouldn't say, hey, well, man, sign me up. But look at verse 16. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Does that contradict the words of Jesus that we just read? That discipleship has a cost. And here he tells Ananias, not only that he's a chosen vessel to do wonderful things, now, if you look at Acts 9, 15 and 16, we all want the verse 15. We'd love for God to use us. We just don't want verse 16. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to be inconvenienced. But Christ tells us that you're going to bear a cross. So we see this in the words of Christ, specifically in Paul. We see it in the plan of God regarding the life of Paul as the Lord tells Ananias this. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 and I want you to look at Paul's own experience as he personally describes it. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11 starting in verse 22. As Paul is coming under fire and he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. 
Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils of the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleepness often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides the other things. What comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. All things tied together, what we've been talking about in a bow. Paul's deep concern and love for the churches, yet he's facing persecution all along the way. Paul's life isn't just characteristic of his experience. We are called to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. It is how Christ describes discipleship. He doesn't say maybe, might, slim chance. He says that if we are to be his disciple, we have to bear our cross. Now we're spoiled in the American church. We don't know how good we have it. We come here. We worship. We don't have to worry about a government official breaking down the door. Yet. We can still go door to door in this country. But yet we rarely do. We are to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. And you think, well, my goodness, how do we do this? And I would argue that our cost is extremely light in this country. It's getting more intense. But... This is what we're called to do regardless. And we are to be used in the ministry of his kingdom. And I would argue at this point that the most that you and I would have to suffer in America today to be more prolific in our love for the church, love for the gospel, and love for our brothers and sisters is that we would have to be inconvenienced. That's it. That's it. It's not going to be convenient. And when you really start thinking about that in that light, it becomes convicting. It's convicting for me. 
I mean, can you imagine as we stand before God and as Jesus Christ is judging us and giving out rewards? Is inconvenience really an excuse? Well, it wasn't convenient. Is it ever going to be convenient? And when you think, well, gee, but I might really truly suffer something. Or people might look at me in a different way. And that's really what we're talking about. What we're really talking about is is that people have a reluctance to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ boldly because they do not want to be held to a higher standard. Because when you start proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ among your friends and your family, There will be a cost. There will be a cost. And when you start being more bold in the community about your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be a cost. I'll never forget, my dad was with me here in town. And for those that listen in to us through sermon audio, we are in a very small town. Somebody was rude to me, and my dad said, you need to do this, this, and this. And I said, Dad, I can't do that. And he said, oh, I forget. You have some more constraints than I have. Talking about me being a pastor. But there should be no different in my constraints in your constraints, that we are always a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. And you think, well, how in the world can I do that? Because if you look at the words of Christ and he says that we have to bear our cross, that there's a cost involved in discipleship. And we look at Paul and here Paul was so bold in his message, in proclaiming the truth, regardless, regardless of what he encountered. He encountered physical abuse. He encountered doubts from other people. Is this guy really for real? He encountered all of that. And you think, well, if I'm going to do that, how am I going to do that? Paul gives us that answer in 2 Corinthians thirteen four. I love this verse. It says, for though he, referring to Jesus, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Wow. That's good. That's good. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. How do you do it? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will say that the things that Paul yearned for, fellowship of the believers, the growth of the believers... And for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
Those things come through God working in us just as he worked through Paul. And we need to look at what God has called us to and say, I will be faithful to the truth and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer, please. Father, I just pray that you would convict each of us to proclaim your truth with boldness. I pray, Lord, that we would be bold in our witness. I pray, Lord, that our desires might not be for the things of this world, but our desires would be for your kingdom. That we would desire to see your kingdom flourish. That our life would be reordered to your kingdom. And I pray that you would live through us so that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.